Today we're going to come, and we're coming to the end of our study of 1 John. Uh, actually, the next two weeks, this week and the next week uh, coming up will be our, our last weeks as, we, as we've gone verse by verse through the study of 1 John. And as we start to wrap up, and really that's where we're at, we're, we're bringing it all to a head, we're wrapping it up. As we start to wrap it up this evening, this, today, uh, today the question is this, and here's, here's our question, what about sin? What about sin? Truth is, today we live with a lopsided gospel coming from lopsided pulpits, uh, preached, I believe, by lopsided preachers in decidedly and deliberately lopsided churches. Now, that, that sounds pretty crazy, but what I mean by that is this. Today, I believe, if you, if you look around, if you listen today, we are only getting half of the story. And I think that's the truth. In our churches, we're only getting half of the story. From our, our preachers and our pulpits, we're only hearing half of the story. Our gospel today, it talks all about blessing, being blessed. It talks about favor. Uh, our gospel that we hear today talks about life and, and abundant life and eternal life. It talks about forgiveness and, and restoration. Uh, it talks a whole lot about God's grace and, and God's mercy and talks about heaven and the place we have in heaven. And it, it talks about victory, but seldom does it ever, and maybe sometimes I could even say never, does it talk about sin. You ever think about that? It, seldom do we ever hear about sin. And so because we have this, this lopsided focus we really have a lopsided gospel, which I want to tell you the truth today is really no gospel at all. And you, you just watch. Today you listen online or you, you listen on the radio or, or you watch on TV or, or sadly in a whole number of churches. You, you listen today and I, I, I'll give you the challenge right now. When you leave here, go, go look what's on the internet. Go look what's on TV and you'll, you'll hear uh, messages about your best life. Or you'll hear messages about, about uh, the great days that, that are here for you or coming up somewhere in the future. And you'll hear sermons about how to have a great marriage or how to have a great attitude or a positive outlook or, or how to have a great what have you. But, but rarely will you ever, again, and, and possibly never, will you hear about sin. And you can turn on the TV, you can listen on the radio. Very rarely We'll hear, will you hear about sin? Well, listen to the, the truth of that. The truth of that is this. A sinless gospel is not the gospel. A sinless gospel is not the gospel. Men, be sure and understand today, our problem is sin. Our downfall is sin. Our, our Savior Jesus came as the remedy, not for our positive outlook, not for some great future. Our Savior Jesus came as the remedy for sin. And so be sure a sinless gospel is not the gospel. Now you might grow a big church, you might draw a big crowd, you might leave and people be excited about what they heard. But listen, a, a gospel that does not include sin is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what's that mean? It means this. If that's not the gospel, you can't be saved by it. You might clean up some stuff. You might fix some stuff. You might actually have a better attitude. But if it doesn't include sin, you can't be saved by a false gospel. There is no hope in a false gospel. So today, as we wrap up 
these, these messages in 1 John, the question is this. So what about sin? What about our sin? What about your sin? You ever, you ever think about that? What, what about my sin? What about your sin? Do you consider your sin much? Do you think about your sin very much? Here's a, here's a bigger question. Does your sin actually bother you? Does your sin bother you? Today, our lopsided message that's been heaped on us, our lopsided message says that, you know what? God forgives. God forgives. God forgives. And so I'll not worry too much about sin. Our, our lopsided gospel says, you know what? It's a hopeless battle. It's a battle you can't win. It's a hopeless battle. And so I'll not worry too much about sin. Or our lopsided gospel says, I'm saved. I'm saved. Isn't that the goal? I'm saved. And so I'll not worry too much about sin. Or maybe this, our culture says, you know what? It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. Look, you're better than most of these folks. It's no big deal. And so I'll not worry about sin. Well, today, John addresses sin. Again, as we pull our study to a conclusion, he's going to talk about sin. We're in 1 John chapter 5. Today, I'm going to look at verses 17 and verse, verse 16 and verse 17. 1 John chapter 5, today, verses 16 and verse 17. I'm going to read those verses, and then we'll come back and break down and look at those verses. Verse 16 says this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. Very complicated set of verses, two verses. Really pretty, pretty hard set of verses. Let me read verse 16 again, and we'll start to break it down. Verse 16 says this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. Now, Again, verse 16 is a very complicated verse. It is a very hard verse to understand, and we really have to understand it in context. We have to pull the meaning out from the context. It is a very misunderstood verse, and I, I think it's a verse that's sometimes misrepresented. And so we'll just look at it. The first truth is this. There is a sin that leads to death. There is a sin that results in death. Now, the Bible says there's a sin unto death, the King James Version. There's a, a sin unto death. The first truth is this. There is a sin that the result of that sin is death. Now, the first thing, let me, let me clarify is this. Rejecting Christ is the ultimate sin. Rejecting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is a sin that has an eternal Punishment. It is a sin that results in eternal death. The book of Revelation says that, the second death. And so rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting him as your Lord, as your hope, as your Savior, rejecting the good news of Jesus Christ, there is no coming back from that sin. Now, let me say that very plainly. If you deny Jesus Christ as the Savior, 
If you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will suffer in eternity what is called the second death. You'll suffer in hell. And so understand, there is a sin that results in eternal death, and that is rejecting the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is not talking about that. How would we know that? Notice it says this. If you see your brother, if you see your brother. Now, I believe this is talking to Christians. Now, I believe a lost person who rejects Jesus Christ, they're going to receive the punishment for eternity, a second death. Yes, there is a sin that leads to death, but I believe that's not what this is talking about. This says, if you see your brother. This, I believe, is talking to a Christian. And so there is a sin for a believer that ends in death. Now, stay with me. Because a believer can't suffer the second death, a believer won't go to hell, can't go to hell, I believe this is talking about not a spiritual death, not an eternal death. I believe this is actually talking about a physical death. Now, let me, let me walk you through this. A lost person denies the gospel of Christ. They die apart from Christ. They experience the second death. That sin results in death. I believe this is talking to believers. If you see a brother, so there is, there is a sin for a believer that results in death, but it's not talking about that death. It is talking about a physical death. Now, what I believe this means is this. There are people that their lives so slander the God that we serve that, that their sin so slanders and really destroys the validity of the gospel that we believe. They, they, are, they are believing, and yet their action, their, their sins are so harmful to the cause of Jesus Christ, to the name of Jesus Christ, I believe this, God takes them out. I believe that. I'm going to show you some scripture here. I believe there's some people so vile in their sin as a Christian so wicked in their sin as a Christian that they discredit the validity of the gospel, that they discredit the name of Jesus Christ so much so that God says, you know what, that can't stand. And they experience a physical death. Sin is that serious. And some of you are saying, what? Sin is that serious. And you, and you sit there and say, well, hold on a second. What about Grace. What about grace, amazing grace? What about grace? What about forgiveness? He, for, he offers forgiveness and he offers it freely. What about forgiveness? And you might say, well, that's, that's not our God. That's not what he would do. That's not his nature. What about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God? Some people will say, look, grace trumps everything, doesn't it? Let me remind you of an account. And I, I believe that's what that verse is talking about. There, there's a sin, there are sins that a believer could commit that so slander the gospel, the validity of the gospel, and the name of Christ that God ends your physical life. Let me, let me remind you of an account. As the church was forming, and it's a pretty awesome account. Go read the book of Acts, and, and, and the church is forming. The church is growing. Jesus has ascended. He's left the gospel with these apostles. They're going out, and they're, they're telling folks the good news of the gospel. The church is growing. And you, and you read through the, the account in Acts, and, and 3,000 were added to their number, and, and 5,000 were added to their number, and, and a jailer was added to their number, and he goes home, and his whole family is added to their number. The church is growing. The, the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out, and people are getting saved. And it's a great time in the church. 
in those early days in Acts chapter 4, there is a good guy. And I'll just tell you, I'm impressed with this man. As I read about him in, in Paul's writings, I read about him in Acts, there is a good man named Barnabas. His name means the son of encouragement. He's an encourager. He's faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. This is a good man, this guy Barnabas. In, in Acts chapter 4, he sells a farm. And I don't, I don't know what the conditions to that are. He sells a farm. And at the end of Acts chapter 4, it says he takes all of the money. Can you imagine? He sells his farm and he brings all of the money. And the Bible says he lays it at the feet of the apostles. Now what that means is this. He says, God take it. God bless it. God multiply it. God use it. Use it for the cause. You know what? I'm not going to come up here and tell you how to spend it. I'm not going to come up here and say, well, here's four things you ought to do with it. He lays it at the feet of the apostles and says, you know what? Use it for the name of Jesus Christ. Use it for the, for the spread of the gospel. Use it for the cause of the church. Barnabas evidently is all in. Here's this awesome guy. He sells his farm. And I, and I don't know what his status is. He lays it at the feet of the apostles, says, use it for the cause of Christ. And, and he walks off. Barnabas is all in. Notice this. God doesn't ask him for it. God doesn't say, Barnabas, sell your farm, bring me the money. God doesn't require it. Well, when you sell your farm, the first one you sell, the proceeds are mine. God doesn't ask him for it. God doesn't require it of him. He does it because it's his heart. He does it because it's his response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty awesome thing. You know what? He's a sinner. He's saved by faith in Jesus Christ. He can look back not that far when it was a system of works, and he couldn't ever get there, and he was condemned in his sin, lost in his sin. He had no hope, but now because of the hope he has in Christ, he says, you know what? Leave it here. Take it and use it for the name of Christ, and he leaves it. It's his response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, in Acts chapter 5, there's a married couple, and they sell a farm, Ananias and Sapphira. They sell a farm. Um, read the account. It's their farm. God doesn't require it from them. doesn't tell them to sell it. It's their farm. It's their money from the sale of the farm. The verses say that. You know what? You sold the farm. That money's yours. It's their money. But here's what these two folks do in, in Acts 5. They see what Barnabas does. And probably they hear the, the, the talk about what Barnabas does. And so they act like they bring it all. They act like they're bringing the, the, the proceeds from the sale of their farm. But, but Acts chapter 5 says they keep some back. It says that the, the husband and the wife talked about it and they made a plan. This is what we're going to give, but we're going to keep some of it back. Here's what they're doing. They're faking like they're all in. Barnabas was all in. He, didn't say, he leaves it at their feet and walks off. They're acting like they're something they're not. You know what? They, they, they didn't have to give it all. What they would have given would have been fine, but they're acting like they're, they're something they're not. They're, they're hypocritical. Peter says to them, you haven't lied to men. That's what they thought. Says you've lied to God. What does the account say in, in Acts chapter 5? It says that the husband drops dead in the church. Drops dead. The, the men of the church pick him up and they carry him out of the church and his dead feet lead the way. And they take him outside and they bury him outside out there. He didn't lie to men. He had lied to God. A couple hours later, three hours later, his wife comes in. And I don't, I don't know where she'd been. I think maybe she'd been at Dillard's or somewhere shopping. She comes in and 
She doesn't know her husband's dead. She just knows the story that they put between the two of them. And she comes in and, and Peter says, is this what you sold the farm for? She says, yes. This is all the profit of the proceeds of the farm. She says, yes. And guess what it says? She drops dead and they carry her out feet first. What about grace? What about forgiveness? What about just correcting them and giving them a second chance? I think, wow, it's, we're four chapters into Acts. The church is pretty young. How about just saying what a better thing would have been to just admit it? What, a, what about correction and a second chance? I think about that. He's dead. She's dead. They're buried outside of the church. How hard is that? How tough is that? What is the deal with that? Here's the deal right here. God knew very early on there is no room for hypocrisy in the movement of Christ. He knew very on, you know what, nothing will kill this movement more than fakeness. He knows, you know what, if these people say one thing and they act like the world, if these people say this and they act like that, but there's something different in their hearts, it'll kill the movement of Jesus Christ. He knew nothing would kill it faker faster than absolute fakeness. Their false hearts would hinder the movement of Jesus Christ. So he takes them out. Chapter 5, verse 11 of Acts, it says this. And great fear, I can't even imagine, came over the whole church. I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> we're, we're the six guys that carried them out and dug a hole and buried them. And we come back in and start to wonder, well, what about our sin? I don't, I don't know, what about my heart? What about the things that, that I'm, I'm carrying around that no one knows about? And, and they come in and says, great fear came into the church. I, I think they were probably a, a, a revival of repentance that night. You know, I got to go get my brother and my wife, and we're going to come and say, oh, God, forgive me for these sins. Here's the truth. Sin is a big deal. Now listen to me very carefully. Don't, don't get this lopsided either. God does forgive sin. Yes, Absolutely. He gives us grace, yes, tremendous grace in our sins. He forgives us. Our eternal security is settled in Jesus Christ. Be very sure of that. But at the same time, understand sin is a very, very big deal. Here's a question out of that then. So what about your life? What, what about your heart? What about the parts that no one knows about? What about the things that you think you've hidden? Because you see, the truth is God knows those things. God already sees those things. What about sin for you? And I sit there and think about this. You know what? We, we can't really appreciate the gospel without understanding sin. And that's why Joel Osteen and those guys' version of the gospel that do not include sin present a false view of Jesus Christ. You know what? I have to understand. I am a sinner and I hate my sin and my sin is a rebellion against God. My sin has earned me a punishment. But when I understand that, then I understand the glory of a Savior that paid it, remedied it, settled it. Christ, our Savior for sin. So the question is then, so today, what about your sin? What about my sin? And as I, I hear these verses, as he starts to wrap it up, I think, what a, what a tough standard. What a hard standard. Here's what we do very practically. What do we do about sin? Let me give you two things, and this is what we'll end on. First thing is this. Understand, today, God's forgiveness is offered. 
Well, that's a hard message. No, that's an awesome message. Understand your sin, but understand this. God's forgiveness is offered. God's grace stands today. Do you understand? The first step we ought to do is we say, you know what? I've got some things that I've got to deal with. I've got some sin that can't stand. The first truth is this. God's forgiveness is offered. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if we will repent, if we'll confess our sins, if we'll not, we'll not try to hide it, if we'll admit it, it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And what does it say? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What about sin? Listen, through Jesus Christ, he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. First response to sin is this. You know what? We confess it. You know what? We get a belly full of it. We repent. We ask God to, to forgive us through Christ. He forgives us. He removes it. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. First thing is this. What about sin? You know what? We ought to be quick to repent. We ought to hate our sin. We ought to not have a stomach to excuse sin. We confess that we repent, and in the glory of Christ, he forgives us of that sin. Second thing is this. What about sin? Second thing is this. We, in God's power, and it's going to be in God's power, and we, in the leading of the word of God, this is our direction, we seek to be different. And I think maybe that's the the lopsided part of the gospel we're not hearing today is this. You know what? That's a choice. You know what? That's obedience. You can hide your sin or you can choose to address it biblically. You know what? You can keep on in your sin or you can ask God for the power to turn and go back away from that sin. That is obedience. That's what faith looks like walked out. We led by God's word, empowered by the spirit of God, we seek to be different. What that means is this. As Christians, we decide, you know what, this is our standard. You know what, I've I've had enough of this world. I've had enough of this sin. I've had enough of my sin, the the heartbreak and the chaos that it brings, and I'm going to seek to be different. I'm going to live according to God's standard, asking to forgive me when I fail, and I'm going to honor Christ in obedience. Listen, that's the response to the gospel. We follow Christ in obedience. We sit here today, and I'll just tell you, we're messed up, all of us. We sit here today, and we've got a sin problem, all of us. We sit here today, and if we're on our own, we're hopeless in our sin. The good news of today is this. We have forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. We have the power of God to turn and walk away from sin, and all of that will glorify our Savior. That's what we do with sin. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for Christ. I'm thankful for a Savior, for my sin. I'm thankful for forgiveness, even this hour, for the forgiveness of sin, that if I will confess that that, that you will take it and remove it. I'm thankful for the power to repent, that, that it's not my willpower, not my strength. It always falls short. It's the power of God. Lord, help us to walk off from our sin. Help us to be repulsed from our sin. And I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of it. Lord, I pray for the men in this room as they, as they deal with their homes, as they lead their homes, as they lead and deal with their wives, as they raise and deal with their kids, as they go back to jobs and, and work and deal with folks there, as, 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 they, as they speak, as they breathe, as they do business, as they live. Lord, I pray that it will be led by the word of God. I pray that it would honor Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray pray that in all of that, that your name would be known. Lord, we're thankful. We praise you. We worship. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.